we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast, our first episode of the week. We record on a Monday afternoon. It's great to be with you. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610 in the mornings. And joined as always by the Hall of Famer, my good friend and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, how are we doing? Sean, I'm doing so well. Getting better as the world. Okay, that's good. We got to get into some illegal stuff at some point. Maybe we'll save that for the downtime in between uh, mini camp and training camp. The illegal stuff, but for now, we stay perfectly legal with uh, C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans, which just is such music to my ears to say that C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. John, it sounds like all the reports, um, both on the field and in the classroom and inside the building on C.J. Stroud, including um, Case Keenum at his Welcome. camp this past week, and had some really nice things to say about C.J. Stroud. It sounds like everything is in uh, A- A-minus to A-plus territory right now with C.J. Stroud. I think that's a great way of putting it. It's probably an A-plus based on how fired up everybody is. But let's be honest, they're supposed to be at this time of year. Everybody's trying to build up his confidence. You know his head's got to be spinning Based on everything, offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick is putting on his plate and quarterback coach Rod Johnson and offensive assistants. They've got two of them, Bill Lazor and uh, my mind's gone blank. Who's the other one, Day? Uh, anyway, they got two offensive assistants that got a lot of experience, and they're all working with him. And uh, and he should be doing well. What they're, I think what they're really talking about more than anything is taking to the class from the classroom to the field and not making mistakes. I thought it's been very interesting. The people who have seen him away from football say all he wants to do is talk away about football. And Matt Burke, defense coordinator, told a great story last week about how he comes up to him afterward, practice, and will ask him about coverages. And what did you see? What did you put in? What did you see from us? And coaches just lap that up like a dog running outside in August. And I think everybody in the front office, Nick Casario, of course, Hannah and Cal McNair, Janice McNair, everybody's pumped as they should be because he's a franchise quarterback drafted second overall, second highest in the history of David Carr. Yeah, I um, Case's quotes were interesting, John, because Case is an opinion that I – I value not only because of how respected he is around the league and what people think of Case Keenum, but one of the things he talked about specifically with C.J. Stroud was how quickly he's picking up this offense in terms of the terminology. I think the adjective Case used was wordy. He said it's a very wordy um, offense, and um, and and Case knows. Case came from an air raid offense in college into this offense with Gary Kubiak in 2012 and 2013. So he knows what it's like to come from what is – I know CJ didn't come from an air raid offense, but I think it's safe to say he came from a, a more collegiate-type offense than a pro-style offense. Um, so Case's opinion is one on this. Not that I think Case would go rogue and start criticizing any of his teammates, but 
man, he, he practically had to be cut off, you know, talking about CJ, he would have kept going, I think, but I really value Case's opinion on this. Cause he's been through this, not without, the, he didn't, Case didn't have the pressure of being the number two overall pick, but purely the classroom stuff. Case has been through this exact same thing before. And he's been through these things with multiple organizations. Yeah. He knows so many systems, you know, wordy usually means difficult. I remember listening to John Gruden one time in those QB things he did on ESPN before the draft. <laughs> and he had a 17-word call. And I'm thinking, okay, why can't that just be blue or red bird or something like that where it's got to be so wordy? And the offense that Mike Shanahan started, Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, Bobby Slowick, they all put their own little – nuances and wrinkles in there, but it is complicated. One of the reasons Brock Purdy adjusted as well as he did is he started four, almost 50 games in college, and he showed on that uh, test that he diagnosed very quickly. I would imagine C.J. Stroud, because of the S2 cognition test and all the negativity surrounding his score, that he wants to prove a lot mentally. Because nobody likes to have their intelligence questioned, although I have mine questioned every day, and I'm sure you've had yours questioned once every month or so. But and I, so I'm sure he's putting in every ounce of time that he can, and probably can't tell you where anything in Houston is other than the stadium. Uh, John, once a month for me, you, you do realize there's a text page at the station for my show, right? For all of our <laughs> shows, there's once, once an hour, I would say it would be a good day. Um, yeah. So, uh, so far so good on, on CJ Stroud. Um, do you get a chance to watch D'Amico Ryan's mic'd up at all, John, on the Texans, uh, website? I did. What'd I you think? watched it. Um, well, I tried to get through all the, hey, let's go, let's go, which so many of them say, and get through the give and take with the players, what yeah. he was saying to the players. And, of course, he's going to be clapping a lot, and he's going to be fired up. But he has a good rapport with players because mm -hmm. he played 10 years with different players, different coaches. And so when you hear somebody call the player's coach, a lot of times people think, oh, he's easy on them. Now, I think of a player's coach as somebody who can relate to the to the players because he was there and he's experienced what they are experiencing. And it's pretty obvious he's very easygoing with them. He's got a good sense of humor. And uh, I think it was funny last week, uh, Stroud told him something about defense. He goes, no, offense is more important. If you're scoring points, that means we're going to win. And so he does see both sides of the ball. He observes a lot. I still think he'll call the defensive signals. And uh, it's obvious from watching him in practice and watching him mic'd up, he has a really good give and take with his players. Yeah. Yeah, It's um, it, it, that's what I thought, John, too. I thought, you know, that's David Culley and Lovey Smith, I think, were probably both well-liked by players. But the fact that D'Amico played in an era – you know, where where look, there's a few guys on the team that were still in the league when uh where D'Amico was still in the league when these guys were playing. But at least he's you know, he's he's in an era, <laughs> you know, D'Amico played in the era where there was Twitter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's uh you know, there 
they're kind of relatively in that same age bracket. I, I'm just so impressed with him. I already was impressed with him, but just his ability to uh, to um, to relate and the energy he brings. I thought it was really cool. The one part where he and I can't remember who the other two assistants were. One of them might have been Matt Burke. One of them was Burke. One of them was Burke, and then so you know what I'm talking about here. And another one, kind of a heavy set guy, comes in from off screen, and D'Amico is going, "Man, what? Who?" We put this practice together. We only got five minutes of indie work, which is independent yeah. work. Yeah, we only got five minutes of indie work. Who put this? And of course, he's the one who put it together. But he, you can tell D'Amico has a great love for getting his hands in the clay and working with players individually. Shane Day is the other offensive assistant. With okay. Experience, along with Bill Lazor. The thing most first-year coaches have, and D'Amico's only been a coordinator two times, uh, but they they want to do too much, and sometimes you have to worry about offensive coordinators' playbook being too thick because they want everybody to see how smart they are. And it doesn't matter if it's too thick as long as they don't try to overwhelm mentally the quarterback and the other players. I asked uh, Bobby Sloak last week if if when you go back at Ohio State and you see the things that he did well that might fit into what you do with your scheme, do you uh, incorporate him? He said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we've seen every throw he made. And specifically, I got that from a video uh, podcast that Greg Cosell did, Greg Cosell from NFL Films, who knows more about quarterbacks than any non-quarterback coach or offensive coordinator I've ever seen. And he was showing what uh, Bobby Slowick will do with motion. And given an example, a receiver comes across from left to right and quarterback takes a snap and he rolls three steps to his right, he plants and he throws. The 49ers with Kyle Shannon got a lot of mileage out of that. He showed, he ran that and then he ran that some things that Shane Day did was Stroud and his completion percentage, air yards, touchdowns to interception, was magnificent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be fun watching this offense for sure uh, this year. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, John, I want to get to some for real or fugazis for you, uh, with you in just a second. Um, but before we do that, uh, Astro, quick Astros aside, three out of four over the weekend um, against the Angels. Um, but, but they lose ground against the Rangers. John, the Rangers are crazy, crazy hot right now. The Rangers now have 16 games in which they've scored at least 10 runs. The yeah. Astros have two. Yeah. Bregman has been tearing it up since the 1st of May. Other hitters are slumping. Uh, Altuve's been out. They've been playing Dubon. They're bringing up Greg Kessinger, who I'm not sure why they're bringing him up because Pena is a shortstop. And, uh, and I hope Altuve's not out. And I like seeing Dubon. They, they gave Jose Brayu the day off and didn't skip a beat. They still couldn't score. <laughs> Losing two to one. I felt bad for JP France, who continues to be a revelation when nobody expected it. His name, when I was at spring training, was never mentioned one time by anybody. When when on the field at practice in the clubhouse, that kid just pitched his best game, giving up. Uh, one run in a two-one loss. Now they go to Toronto and then Cleveland, but they've been better on the road than they've been at home. 
Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. Seven, seven straight this week. And that'll end the 17 straight games once they're done with these two series. Yeah. At least JP France didn't take the L John, but uh, our boy Berman uh, got a lot of heat for jinxing the no hitter on Twitter yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, no, I didn't say it cause I don't believe in jinx no hitters, but you know what? We'll chew his butt out before he. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe in him either, but that's, that's not, you know, I'm not going to throw myself in front of the Twitter bus on, on Mark Berman's behalf either. <laughs> <laughs> the onslaught. Hey, <laughs> jinxes aren't real. Stop picking on Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's get to some for real or fugazis here. Uh, some Texan topics and topics around the league. And as we know, if you listen to this podcast, you know, we do these on the Monday episode. I read a handful of sentences to John after each one. I read them as if they're truth. After each one, John uh, tries to determine if he agrees or disagrees with the statement I made. If he agrees, he says for real. If he disagrees and he thinks I'm out of a, out of my tree, he says. Fugazi. Fugazi. Yeah, just watch The Sopranos. You'll get the meaning. It's, it's uh, Italian for counterfeit or fake. All right, John, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins will wait until August to sign with a team. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. I think since they report for training camps in late July, he'll be signed by late July. Okay. So, um, we didn't talk about Hopkins in our open here, but uh, um, not much movement on the Hopkins front. Other than I saw today, Doug Peterson was asked about Hopkins in his press conference and said that uh, basically said uh, the bus is full that <laughs> we've got enough wide receivers right there now. There was a report to Texans that met with him. No. Texans interested in him. No. Now, if you ask D'Amico, he'll say, we're always interested in upgrading our team. So we can, we look at everybody. He ain't coming here. They don't want him. He doesn't want to be here. It's so funny to me. He, he before he hires an agent, he goes on a podcast and says, if he's cut, He'd like to go one of these four teams. He mentions four Super Bowl contenders with four quarterbacks. Then he hires an agent, and immediately there's two stories. He's interested in the Texans because he really likes C.J. Stroud. Well, uh, why would he go to the Texans, even if they wanted him, when they ain't going anywhere, mm -mm. and he wants to play with a contender? But that's an agent doing his job to drum up interest and try to get more money. You know, a lot of people think Cleveland has the inside track. Because the Browns freed up $10 million in cap room last week with June 1st cuts. And so they could afford him, but they have two starters back, and they've acquired three, including a second-round pick, and then that trade with the former second-round pick for the Jets. So they don't know where he would fit in. And people that I've heard he wants $10 million a year, good for I hope he gets it. I really like him, but he isn't coming here. Okay. So you say, so the Texans not interested. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anybody say that definitively like that, John. You say Texans not interested in Hopkins. Not interested. They'll and never I. say that, but that's a fact. Yep. Okay. Well, there you go. I'll put that one to bed. Um, you got any handicap on where you think he's going to end up? You got any feel on the whole thing right now? Well, people talk, you know, about Kansas City. He's talked Kansas City, Buffalo. Problem, Sean, is the timing. Think yeah. of these teams that needed receivers in March. Mm -hmm. Don't need them again. And even though the Browns don't need him, they have some money to offer him, mm -hmm. and they have Watson campaigning for him. So why not the Browns? They're not a legitimate Super Bowl contender, but uh, if he can play the way he played in 2020, he could definitely help them. No, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, let's do the next one here. For real or Fugazi, speaking of receivers, Robert Woods will lead the Texans in receiving yards in 2023. For real or Fugazi? 
I I think that's for real, Sean. Uh, you'd love to see Nico Collins play a whole season because he's flashed enough to get people fired up. But he hadn't been healthy his first two years. And maybe Dalton Schultz will at tight end. But I think Robert Woods, second year back from a torn ACL, you're going to see him at his best. Um, he's got a lot to prove at this stage of his career, three teams and three years. And because he's experienced and he's a really good guy, he's like Case Keenum. He's a coach in the, in the meeting rooms, walking on and off the field, on the field when they're not in the lineup and they're standing around. I think he will develop a really good relationship with uh, Stroud and Stroud will trust him because he knows he'll be in the right spot. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, and yeah, experience in this system. I'm with you, John. I think last year, Robert Woods got got kind of hamstrung last year by the uh, the the, de- the deadly combo of coming off of a serious knee injury and playing in Tennessee's offense. That, that, that's Willis. a it's a deadly combo to any wide receiver, I would say. So and Joshua Dobbs. Yeah, that's brutal. That that's absolutely brutal. So yeah, I mean everything was down for him, including targets. So I you know based on. The amount of opportunity, if he just gets more targets, I think, and with another year with with healthy legs underneath him, um, I'm 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 with you on that on uh, on Robert Woods. And again, it's receiving yards, so people going with well, Dalton Schultz. Though you mentioned Dalton Schultz's name, John, I can see Dalton Schultz leading them in catches, but tough for a tight end to lead a team in receiving yards. So I'm with you on uh, Robert Woods. All right, next one, John. Russell Wilson. Rumor is that uh, he nixed a trade to the Eagles last offseason before approving a trade to the Denver Broncos. For real or Fugazi, Russell Wilson would have gotten the Eagles to the playoffs last year. Fugazi, he's not as good as Jalen Hurts was. I'm just saying to the playoffs. I'm not saying to the yeah. Super Bowl. I think that uh, based on the way he played in Denver with a great defense, um, um, I'm still just get them to the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. I change it. Sure. <laughs> and it's interesting. Remember they tried to trade for Watson, didn't get him. He yeah. used his, he used his no trade clause. Then they tried to trade for Russell Wilson. So they didn't think Jalen Hurts was going to be special. No. And boy, were they wrong. Yeah, they were, they were very wrong about that. Sometimes the best deals are the ones you don't make. And I guess, keep in mind, John, just for, just for perspective, uh, it was the Lions, the Seahawks, and the Packers that were duking it out for the last playoff spot in the NFC last year. And I think the Seahawks were the ones who ended up getting it going nine and eight. So the the bar, the you know, the bar in the NFC is not incredibly tough to to clear to get into the the postseason. Boy, you know, that story, John, about um about uh Russell Wilson, and you touched on it. My biggest takeaway from that is credit for Jalen Hurts, who honestly, like, the Eagles tried to replace him with two of, for me right now, two of the least likable guys in the NFL. Like, Deshaun Watson has been exposed as kind of a phony. And if you look at his Instagram, it's like he's trying to be the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. He posts way more about his Ferraris and his his private airplane flights (laughs) than he does does football. And then Russell Wilson, who is just the, the, the... corniest phoniest guy and that's been backed up by plenty of teammates and Jalen Hurts a nicer guy and a more well-liked guy in the NFL you will not find like I I just give Jalen Hurts a ton of credit that the Eagles were actively trying to replace him with those two guys and not only um you know not not only does he take a step up and improve over last year he takes it as motivation he was damn near the MVP of the league and for like a week he was the highest paid guy in the league 
We learned what he was all about when he got benched for Tua Tagovailoa in Alabama yeah. and took it like a man. Yep, that's right, John. Good call. Good call. All right, let's keep it moving here on a little for real for Fugazi. We'll keep it with football, and then I've got a couple non-football ones. John, Jimmy Garoppolo never plays a game for the Las Vegas Raiders this season. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. I got to think that they knew what they were doing the whole time. They've got doctors. They've got the best doctors, I think at some point he will try to play. Maybe they redo that contract. If he's on the roster, then he's going to get $22 million. They've laid it out like that. Instead of 11 signing bonus and 11 base, it'll be 22. But if they don't, then they're going to be in the running for Caleb Williams or Drake May next year because Brian Hoyer and a rookie just Oof. aren't going to cut it. No, no, not at all. Uh, John, I'll do a little sub for real or Fugazi off of this one. For real or Fugazi, Tom Brady's contention that he's never playing football again. Uh, I agree. I think that's true. Although he's for real. He is for real. I saw uh, an interview with Rick Stroud, who's covered the Bucks forever for the Tampa Times, and he said the only situation he could see would be in Miami, where his kids are and where he lives. And if Tua got hurt and they were on the way to the playoffs and Tua's hurt every year, then that would be the ideal situation for him to come riding to the rescue. Mm -hmm. So I could see that, but I'm I'm still going to say uh, no, that he's done. Yep. The key is, is he going to throw and stay in shape? Uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing he's going to stay in shape period, but there's shape and then there's football shape, right? I yeah, mean, it's, yeah. You know, we're learning that with J.J. Watt. J.J.'s like, yeah, I'm, I, I, you know, I work out every day, but I don't do football workouts anymore, that kind of thing. Um, by the way, did you see J.J.'s video where he was begging the internet to stop making snap judgments on rookies based on OTA reps that show up on the internet? Yeah, I saw it. I don't blame him at all because, as I told you before, I've never seen anything that happens to a player in a season have anything to do with an OTA. I don't either, but I I admire JJ's willingness to take on the internet, John. I'm picturing that meme where <laughs> I'm picturing that meme where Jon Snow is standing there with a sword at the beginning of Battle of the Bastards and there's eight jillion horses running at him. <laughs> That's JJ taking on the internet. Um, all right, John, two more. Uh, let's do a baseball one. John, you love that the Texas Rangers are good this year. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi, I hate the Rangers. But they're John, not just good. Is, they're great. Isn't it fun though that they're good? Given what, like the fact that these Astro and Texas Ranger game, I hate them too. But this is kind of fun that these games have some juice. You know, I'm not. I don't. I don't love them like I'm rooting for them. But John, I've got some numbers right here that I wrote down during the show today. Since the Astros were uh, were moved over to the American League in 2013. There's only been really two seasons where the Astros and the Rangers games have been relevant as it pertains to the regular season. 2015, the Rangers beat the Astros by two games in the division. The Astros went on to the wild card that year, beat the Yankees. The, the Astros won 86 games. The Rangers won 88. And then the next year in 2016, the Rangers finished 11 games ahead of the Astros, but they went 16-3 and three against the Astros that year. So the biggest reason why the Astros lost to the Rangers that year in the divisional race was because they couldn't beat the Rangers since then, John, in 2017, when the Astros won the world series, check this out, the five non COVID years since 2017. So basically every year, except 2020 on average, the Astros have finished ahead of the Rangers by 32 games 
in the standings. I think it's fun, John, that we get 10 more games of these two teams and we get a series in early July, we get a series in late July, and we get a series around Labor Day that all should have some meaning. The only thing that would be better is if they were playing in the last couple of weeks of September. So I hate the Rangers, but part of the reason like I, that, that I hate them so much is part of the reason why I'm glad they're good because these get, the main reason why Astro fans could rationalize, the ones that wanted to stay in the NL, the main reason they were that they could get to a place where they were okay with the AL was this, and we finally get to experience it with potentially both of them being two of the best six or seven teams in baseball. That may be your idea of fun. My idea of fun is beating the hell out of bad Ranger teams uh-huh. and having those other kind of well, moments you're... against the Yankees yeah. and the Red Sox and the Rays, not the Rangers, because the Rangers right now are the best hitting team in baseball, even better than the uh, uh, Rays. Yeah. And the Astros are struggling to hit. But, you know, the Angels, I'll look this up, they had better – production offensively than the Astros in every stat. Astros had better production in every pitching stat, and they won three out of the last four. And the thing about the playoffs, good pitching usually beats good hitting. But, man, I don't – I'd rather the Rangers be bad and they, you know, stomp on them like a mat when you're trying to wipe your feet. Uh, well, you know what, John? I, we, st- we agree to disagree on that one. Now, if the Rangers go, you know, eight – Eight and two in these ten games that yeah, come I'll up remind you. I say you remember, you have my much fun, you, you, and you have license to, and you will remember. You remember everything. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, you will remember that. Um, all right, John. Last one. Charles Barkley said that men shouldn't FaceTime each other. It's inappropriate that men FaceTime each other. Is it inappropriate? Well, for real or Fugazi, it's inappropriate for men to FaceTime each other. Fugazi, I've never FaceTimed anybody, but if you and I thought about FaceTiming each other. I mean, we look at each other twice a week, three times a week <laughs> during different. the season, and I've never thought anything about it. Yeah, it might be weird to Facetime Barkley and have to see that ugly face and big mouth <laughs> up close, but uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with Facetiming a guy. Yeah, John, you're spitting fire these last five minutes. Let me tell you right now. Um, did you that 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 cut from Barkley turned into a whole segment with me and Seth talking about? talking on the phone like well, how much y'all decide well no we were okay with facetiming other guys like it's 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 okay i my thing i i just don't like talking on the phone like i'm not a big phone talker which is ironic because i got my whole job in radio because i would call into the jim rome show <laughs> um but i i um i let me i shouldn't say that and i said this on the air i said there's like five people in the world that i actually like look forward to spending time with on the phone and conversing with on a regular basis um and, and the five can fluctuate, obviously, but by and large, I'm not big in talking on the phone. Like I, you can accomplish 90% of what you accomplish on these phone calls. You can accomplish in two or three texts. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know what? I'm guessing three of them are your kids. That uh, you talking to that. You know what? I put them in a separate category. Probably I'm thinking more like, yeah, no, I love talking to my kids. My kids are probably listening to this right now. Well, my two sons are listening to this right now. I doubt my daughter listens to the Utopia football podcast, if we're being honest. But um, my sons are certainly listening going, boy, for someone who hates talking on the phone, you sure call us a lot, Pops, and bother us. <laughs> do you do you FaceTime with James and, and Sammy? 
I not anymore. Um, I, I'll say this about FaceTime, though. As you know, John, I was a uh, uh, while my kids were in junior high and high school, I was down here and they were up in Chicago. And that was a big FaceTime was a big part of my communication with them on a virtually on a daily basis. It, it did make parenting from afar far from perfect, obviously, but it improved it immensely to be able to see them. I can actually help them with homework, you know what I mean, over a FaceTime and whatnot. Um, so, um, so I, but now, no, not so much anymore. Probably just over the phone. Because usually, when I call them now, if I'm if I'm being honest, I do it like while I'm in my car driving places. I'm just killing time. I'm on the road. I'm like, yeah, I'll call James and see what he's up to. That kind of thing. Did you scowl at them when their mama said they'd done something wrong? Uh, you know what? Like I, prop. Probably I was always the good cop. She was the, she had to be the bad cop because they were living with her. So I was, yeah, yeah that's probably, there's probably a lot of layers of the onion. We could peel back with that one. If we wanted to. <laughs> I bet. Yep. Yep. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, John, what do you got going on this week on uh, sportsradio610.com and such? We have mini camp on Wednesday that the media is allowed to go to. I'm writing a column for sportsradio610.com. Uh, on Tuesday about uh, how bad this offense has been over the years and what Bobby Slowick and Gerard Johnson and uh, Bill Lazor and, and uh, Day have to do to turn that around. And it might be hard to do it in one year. But if you think about it, even when Watson was playing well, they never ranked high offensively. And it was just they either they threw or didn't run or they ran and they didn't throw. It's been about five or six years so i'm looking at a statistical analysis of that and then i'll have another column for the website later in the week good deal yeah keep it keep your eyes on sportsradio610.com obviously twitter at mclean underscore on underscore nfl and of course my twitter at sean t pendergast and at sportsradio610 for the station john i enjoyed it as always i did too thank you very much all right thanks sean appreciate that that's the hall of famer john mclean uh, big thanks to uh, James Jackson, who is uh, our new producer at uh, Corporate at Odyssey, and he is uh, getting the podcast out to you guys uh, each and every day, uh, or every day that we put it out, two a week, three a week during the season. So um, big thanks to uh, to James for um, for getting that out to you guys. Uh, just click that subscribe button, and you'll uh, get the podcast sent right to whatever device you choose to listen to it on. It makes it easy. It makes it so you don't have to keep an eye out for it. We send it right to you, room service style, spoon-fed, if you will. Um, and uh, thanks to all of you for listening, of course. For John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see you all later this week. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com for a mailbag episode. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. Send us your emails. We'll answer them on the next episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.